Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, and if you'd like, Luke chapter 8. We're going to be diving into uh, the same story in two different places today. John said it this morning, but let me say it again. I really am glad that you're here, and especially those of you who are watching us online. It's just a joy to be together as family today. Amen. Wow, what a great brand new song. I raise a hallelujah. Boom. Just love that one. If you're with us for the first time in a while, we're working our way through a fall series that I'm calling Family Matters. Typically for our culture, I think when we think about things that matter or things of significance, probably number one on much of the culture's list is how our finances are doing. Second might be career demands. They're always a priority. Maybe how our health is doing. That's important to us. But sadly enough, our home life, our family that resides there often takes a back seat to other things that we give our thought and our time and our effort to. Friend, I want to encourage you to believe that for Jesus followers especially, outside God's vivid influence in you, there is not a more significant aspect of your life than your family. Never will be. Remember this takeaway from last week. The Christian family is simply this, a living demonstration of the love of God. Gail and I didn't wake up this week wondering what our goal or what our aim was going to be, and that is to love each other well, as best as we possibly can, because there's just not a louder megaphone in our culture than how our families are doing. So a God-filled, God-centered, God-influenced home shouts to the world, here's why you want to have a relationship with Jesus. So last week we took a look at the significance of our marriages and they and the impact they have on our homes. We saw that God's design for marriage from the beginning has been one man joined in the covenant of marriage to one woman for one lifetime. That's his plan for maximum joy and influence in a family. And I'll say it again, that's his idea. It wasn't Adam's idea. It wasn't Eve's idea. It wasn't the government's idea. It wasn't society's idea. It's not the idea of the Supreme Court. It is the idea of the supreme being of the universe, God. And he gave that to us. Well, out of this marriage relationship, God's primary design for bringing children into that home, by his grace, is something I want to talk about today. There are many aspects the scripture speaks to about raising these little pint-sized image bears that we call children. But there's one responsibility that we parents have in raising them well that I want to point us to, and it's in Mark chapter 5. If you wish to follow along in your Bible, you can do that. Watch it on one of your screens there. It'll be up on these screens here. But before we dive in, I'd like to ask you to pray with me, please. Oh, Father, we raise a hallelujah, not just ourselves, but with Conquest Christian Church today. They're on our hearts, and we want to lift them up and ask that you bless their services as well as ours as we turn our hearts towards you in song and in the supper. And now, Father, also through um, a broken person who speaks for you. I don't know who the minister is speaking is this morning at Conquest, but we ask your blessing upon the word that comes through them today. We really do ask you to be glorified in our homes. We cannot do that by ourselves. And so we're, we're grateful that you have sent your spirit into us to be in our homes and to help mold and shape those homes for your glory. For we ask us in Jesus' name and everybody said. 
One of my favorite stories regarding kids comes from a little boy who went to see his family pediatrician. When the doctor looked into his ears with his otoscope, he asked, Do you think Big Bird's in there? <laughs> he didn't say anything. The doctor tried again. He looked with a tongue depressor down his throat and he said, Do you think I'm going to find Cookie Monster in here? Again, crickets. The little boy didn't say a thing. Put the stethoscope to his chest to listen to his heartbeat and said, Do you think Kermit the Frog's in here? Now, this time the little boy had something to say. He said, Oh no, Jesus is in my heart. Kermit the Frog is on my underwear. <laughs> now, I don't have a comment about Kermit the Frog and his place in this little boy's life, but the fact that Jesus is in his heart most likely is due to a praying parent. I want to say up front <laughs> God bless you, parents, all of you. Because you've got the assignment of a lifetime. You just do. Because with this job comes its share of fears, doesn't it? We fear failing our children. We fear wounding our children. We fear forgetting our children, like I did. At 12 years old, Lauren's summer job was to run a snow cone stand on the busy Highway 70 there in Ruidoso, right outside of Frank's Fruit Market. I was supposed to pick her up after her stand closed at 4 o'clock and drive her home, and I got busy and I forgot her. Got a call about 45 minutes later from Frank's Fruit Market, and it was Lauren. She said, Daddy, you forgot me. I arrived at the stand in about three minutes. My office just didn't far from there. And she slowly walked out towards the truck carrying that little purse of her and that big lip of hers just dragging the ground. She got in the truck next to me, and I said, Duncan, I am so sorry that I forgot you. She said, Daddy, that hurt my feelings. I said, well, could I make it up to you by getting you a strawberry Dr. Pepper from Sonic? And she said, yes. <laughs> we fear forgetting our kids. We fear discouraging our kids. We fear if we're going to have enough money to take care of our kids. Will we be able to pay for college? Will we be able to afford braces? What do we do about homework? What do we do about homecoming? It's enough to keep any parent awake at night, isn't it? And so regardless of the circumstances of how any of us became a parent, whether you're the biological parent of your child, or you're a step-parent, or you're a divorced parent, whether you're a grandparent who's stepping in as a foster parent, however you find yourself in any parenting responsibility, it comes with just a wheelbarrow full of fear. Did for me. And whether it's as a mom or a dad keeping watch outside a neonatal unit, or maybe you're waking, making your weekly visit to the juvenile prison, or you hear the crash of a bike out in the driveway and your child crying, a parent's reaction is almost always the same. I have to do something. I've yet to meet a parent who can sit still while their child in their care is suffering. Well, Jarius couldn't. What a great story in the New Testament about a father who brought his child and her needs to Jesus. But the story starts with a parent in panic. In Mark chapter 5 we read, Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jarius arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter's dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. 
Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. Now you may not have known this, some of you, but Jairus was a community leader. He was the ruler of the synagogue. And for, for him, that meant he preached at the Jews' church in their day. But this day, Jesus is met by Jairus. Jairus comes not so much as an ambassador for the village, he comes as an ambassador for his daughter who's, who's dying. And he is beside himself. When was the last time that you were there, parent? When you were absolutely beside yourself with desperation. Jairus reminds us of two other parents that ran to Jesus because their kids were in a state of crisis. Remember Matthew 15 and verse 22. A mom comes out of the hills of the Canaanites and she runs to Jesus and she says, Have mercy, Master, O Son of David. My daughter is cruelly afflicted by an evil spirit. And he heard her. And he responded to her. Next came a father whose son was being tormented by demonic seizures. And he sought help first from the disciples. They couldn't do it. But then he turned to Jesus and he cries out and he says, Lord, I believe you can make him well. But help my unbelief. And Jesus heard him. And Jesus responded to him. Three parents. They're all a part of a fraternity that no one desires to join, I assure you. And that is the fraternity of the desperate. They come to Jesus holding the end of the rope in one hand and reaching out to Christ in the other. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. I'm a part of that fraternity. There's a good chance that I'm speaking to some parents this morning who recently have just joined. And if so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You've done the best that you can. You've been handed a challenge, though, that's beyond your capacity. And you may be wondering, how in the world does God respond to a praying parent. Well, it thrills me to tell you that there are three stories that I've just mentioned here that model how Jesus responds that I want to encourage you to listen to this morning. Number one, he responds decisively. And number two, he responds compassionately. And number three, he will respond personally. All three of these stories that we're going to look at talk just about that. In Jairus' case, Jairus makes his request to God in the flesh the priority of his day. And we understand why. But you know when a crowd of people on the shore called Galilee, there had to be a lot of requests being made of Jesus. I mean, he's a hot ticket now when it comes to healing, to making things that look dead or struggling or frustrating different. But he hears the concern of a parent's heart in a very unique way. He hears this father's concern above all the others. And I want to say this to you this morning. I don't know how he does it. He just does. He will heal yours. The billions of people on this planet, some way, somehow, I believe with all of my heart that God hears the cries of a parent a little bit clearer than maybe everyone else's. Some of you parents are listening today either here in this room or online because you're out of hope and you're just looking for something that might give you a little bit of hope. But you're never out of hope because you're never out of prayer. Can I say that again? You are never out of hope because you are never, ever out of prayer. And when you pray, I promise you, God listens. No, take his word on that. When you pray, you are living out one of the most powerful privileges and roles that a parent's given. And that's to pray. Yes, that extends to grandparents. Glad I'm in that company now. 
uncles, aunts, cousins, brothers in Christ, but there's a special privilege of a parent to pray. And one of the reasons that a parent's prayers, I think, have a special place in God's hearing is that our kids belong to Him first. Can I remind you that this morning? I know you say that that's my son or that's my daughter, and that's rightful. But maybe a better way to say that is that's our son. That's our daughter. Not just in reference to maybe your spouse, but I mean to the God who called them child first. In Psalm chapter 127, verse 3. Scripture says, don't you know that children are God's best gift? They are the fruit of the womb, yes, but they're His generous legacy. Never forget, your kids were loved by God before you loved them. Now this might help, and that is to be reminded that our families are temporary. They're they're just part of the, the process and part of the purpose of you as a unique individual being placed into a group of folks who are going to help you mature and grow as a person. That's always been his plan. Always. But they're temporary, these families. Besides, we, we don't even carry our marriage license into heaven, do we? Now, please don't amen that. Or do at your own risk. We don't carry our marriages into heaven. We don't. But we don't also carry our families into heaven. God has entrusted our kids to our care for a time, to protect them and mature them physically and emotionally and spiritually. But this is not your job alone. Never has been. Now, some of you have been handed some unique children. Children with special needs. Some of you have been handed children with special problems and concerns. And I just want to stop and say, please hear this today. You're not on your own. God didn't ask you to do this by yourself, ever. You, like Jairus, have the opportunity to bring those concerns to Jesus on a daily basis, to plead with Him if need be. Come into my house and help. That's what Jairus does. He will not settle for long-distance assistance. He says, I want you in my house, Lord. Please come to my home, across the threshold, into the living room. Come by my daughter's bedroom. Have something to eat in my kitchen, but I just want Jesus in my house, please. Brother, that's a prayer that God will answer 24-7, seven days a week. That's a prayer that every parent is privileged to offer to. Now, I personally appreciate the fact that it's a dad offering it here. Here's a father who's leading the way. He is a leader in the community, yes. He's concerned with public polls on occasions, but he's not concerned with popularity near as much as he is tracking Jesus down for his daughter. He's concerned with the priority to get Jesus into his house. You think Kerrville might welcome more people like us to do that in their homes? There are many things that we can't do, dads, but one thing that I'm learning again this week is that we can bring Jesus Christ into our home. We can do that. Which is what Jairus models for us, which is point number two this morning. Jairus modeled a parent's priority. Now, if you're like me, we parents wish Jesus would have said a lot more about parenting than he did. A couple examples. He offers no instruction on discipline. He says nothing about the pros and cons of giving an allowance. He makes no comments about homeschooling or public schooling. He says nothing about the number of children to have or even dating for those children. Many things that parents often discuss and are concerned about. But maybe, just maybe, 
He said little about those things because he wanted to say much about this one thing. The one thing that he did say through examples and through stories, and this is it. He hears the prayers of a parent. That's what he wants most from you. First from you. Lamentations chapter 2.19, the Spirit says through the prophet Jeremiah, rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Lift up your hands to Him in prayer, pleading for your children. Now Priscilla Shira takes that seriously. She doesn't believe that God asks us to do that occasionally. She asks it, or at least she believes that we should be doing it regularly. And I love how she prays over her, listen to me, boy, she's got three. Every day before they walk out the door, the same scenario plays out. Priscilla starts praying over them. Sits, sits to get still. You know what mama's going to do. And she says, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim over you, my young men, that you are men of integrity and character. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. You will be a blessing to your teachers and a blessing to your friends. You are the head, not the tail. You are above, not the beneath. You are the leader, not the follower. And then she concludes with this. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a man of valor. You have the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And you will bless the Lord at all times and His praises shall continually be in your mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Now Priscilla says she prays that usually with them rolling their eyes and covering their ears saying, Mom, we've heard all this before. But she says, I take this seriously. That there is an enemy out there looking to devour my boys. And I'm going to set them up to win, not fail, every single day. And she said, so I pray over my boys every single day. Mom and Dad, please, speak truth over your kids like that. Pray over them like that, equipping them for the day that's ahead. But please don't let them go to bed at night without you kneeling beside that bed with them in some form or fashion. The sportsman kids didn't have a lot of some things. But I think I can count on two hands the number of nights in their lives that we didn't pray over them before they went to sleep, including into their senior years in high school when they were a little bit too big for their bridges. See, we believe that we were just as helpless as Jarius. And I want to say it to you. There's no way in the world I have the capacity or the ability to be a parent alone. I don't. I don't know how anybody does it without constantly crying out to God, please help me. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Especially in this role of parenting. Church, I humbly confess to you, I wasn't then and I am not now capable enough to be a parent without God's enlisted help. I can't. Let the final sounds please of the day be you and your mate praying over your children saying, God, bless my kids with strength and energy and joy and patience and peace while they rest. Mom, stuff in my algebra. God's not. <laughs> what do you think it would mean in the life of your middle schooler when you said, why don't we just pray about this before we try to get into it anymore? I wonder what kind of difference it makes when, when, you, when you pull alongside your, your, your teen and they're having struggles with their teachers or their girlfriend or their weight or test and you say, let's pray about that. I've been there. I've done that. I can tell you it means everything. Not in the moment. Not in that time. But I promise you, in due time, it always means something. 
Please let your house be a prayerful house. Let your kids know that you are forever dependent upon the Heavenly Father making you an earthly parent. Even knowing that even the most prayer-filled homes are going to experience some serious, serious challenges. They did for Jairus. Look what happens next. He's faced with a parent's choice. Fear or faith. See, Jairus led Jesus through the crowded streets and all of a sudden this detour presents itself. <laughs> a woman who we're told a little bit later by someone who gets the backstory on this had been ill for 12 years and, and no doctor uh, could find out what was going on. Uh, she was out of finances. She was out of friends. She was uh, distanced from family. But she knew that if I could just get to Jesus and get my hand on Jesus, I'll be all right. And you know what? She got that hand on him, and out of her went her sickness. That's a great story, and we don't have time to unpack it today. But it happens in the midst of Jairus getting the attention of Jesus and him agreeing to come with him to his house. And all of a sudden, Jairus is moving down the road, and he doesn't hear the familiar slap, slap, slap of men walking behind him. He turns around and looks, and in the distance there is Jesus meeting with somebody in a little crowd. And I don't know about you, but my first thought would probably, has he forgotten me? Has he forgotten my child? And my saying that makes my heart cringe because some of you are wondering, has God done that with me? It seems like some kind of a detour has come up because it seemed like God was working and moving and all of a sudden now there's this, there's this lengthy pause. What in the world's going on? And maybe it's not about your child. Maybe for you it's about something in your finances. Maybe for you it's something about your mate or about your job. It seemed like God was answering your prayers and now all of a sudden we've hit this pause button. Nothing seems to be happening. Or, or maybe worse, it's not just no news, it's bad news. That's what happens to Jairus. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said to him, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, listen to me, listen to me. Do not be afraid. Only believe. And she will be made well. Now church, look what Jesus does. Bad news is over here. And Jairus is over here, and for a moment he steps right in between that and says, you listen to me, okay, not here. Bad news over here, Jairus over here, and Jesus steps right in the middle of it and says, ignore that, you listen to me. Have faith, no fear. Jairus finds himself in a position every parent, I think, finds himself in at some time in their lives as a parent. He hears two voices, the voice of good news and the voice of bad news. Here's the voice of of faith and the voice of fear. He often hears the, we often hear the voice of people and, and the voice of God at the same time. And this gets hard sometimes to try to figure out who to listen to. And I know in theory we say, well, yeah, listen to God, but it's hard. And in this moment, it's incredibly hard. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the guy anymore. Would any of us have looked down on him by saying, No need to bother now. No need to make a fuss about this now. What if Jarius had said, I guess you can leave. 
but he doesn't. He doesn't. Because the passage says when he came to the house, Jesus, Jesus permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. Well, the snickers started. They ridiculed him, knowing she was dead. But he put them all outside and took her by the hand, and he said, little girl, get up. Arise. And her spirit returned, and she arose immediately, Mark says, and he commanded that she be given something to eat, which makes me smile. And her parents are astonished. And he charged them, "Mm, don't tell anybody about this. For a moment, church, could we just stop and look at what happens when we invite Jesus into our home? First, he takes control. He went from following Jairus to leading Jairus. I want you to notice that. He led Jairus into his own house. And then notice what he does. He casts out the voices who are doubting Jesus in his words. He silences the voices of ridicule. He comes in like the protector that he is, like the shepherd that he is, and he eradicates and he purges and he cleans house of the voices that are doubting. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that from my own home this way. Because when you invite Jesus into your home, He begins to banish the demons. He begins to banish the doubters. He begins to stand and fight with what you can't fight on your own. Against the angels and the principalities and the negative, ugly, dark things of this dark present world. He just does. Things I can't do by myself. He does. And so I'm asking you, please, moms, could it be your one honest, sincere request from seeing unbelievable heaven break loose in your home? Dads, could it be your one heartfelt, sincere request to see heaven break loose in your home? Because what we're seeing here is God putting on record what happens when someone does invite Jesus into the house. It's a different house. It's a different house. He comes in and He brings peace where there was fear. He brings hope where there was discouragement. He brings new life where there was death. Now the devil wants you to to not know that. He just soon, all of you slept in this morning and weren't reminded of it. Or at best, he'd say, you're on your own really. That's just an old ancient story. That's all it is. Because the last thing that the devil wants is for you to believe that there's something supernatural God can do in your family. Really is. But God Almighty says, please, you let me in your house. And I'll begin to clean things up. I'll start casting out anxiety. I'll start casting out fear. I'll start chasing away pornography. I'll start chasing out greed and restore purity. I'll begin to restore sanity. Because I can do what no one else can do, and that is bring life where there's nothing but death. Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I had to write this down today to remind myself, does not the story of Jairus prove this? Please include this in the eternal record for my children to hear. Jairus didn't think anything could be done, and so he brings Jesus into his house, and when Jesus came to that bedside of this girl, 
He does what no one else can do. He says to this little girl, arise. And this little girl who was dead does. So did Jesus answer Jairus' prayer? And the answer is not really. Because what he was hoping would happen is that Jesus would get there in time to keep her from dying. He wanted to make her well physically. Before she died, Jesus didn't do that. He allows her to die. And then he resurrects her. Now that's going beyond what Jairus is asking, isn't it? I mean, it would have been a great thing if he walked in the room and sure enough he said, get up because she just had a little bit of a fever or she hadn't been conscious for a while. No, she gets up when everyone else knows she's dead. He goes beyond what Jairus is asking, just like when we prayed for Donna to be made well. God said, no, I'm going beyond that. I'm not just going to heal her body. I'm going to heal her mind. I'm going to heal her heart, her soul. And she's going to get to sing to me in front of me. He went beyond our request to take care of her, right? But it's still hard. Still hard. But that's a fact, we believe. What if Jesus wants to do the same for you? What if he wants to do the same for you? Luke provides a picture of God who goes beyond our request. Jesus comes in and he calls the spirit of this girl back, like I said, and he takes her by the hand and up she arises. Now apparently, dying leaves you pretty hungry, and so he said, please get her something to eat, which makes me smile again. And so I come to this place and I just want to say, parent, please, Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, foster parent, whoever you are and however you got into this parenting responsibility, God has not left you alone to handle this task by yourself. He just hasn't. When He blessed your womb with a baby, when He blessed your arms with a child, He knew you'd need help. It's the tool of the devil to try to distance you from your father but it's the prayers of your heart that knit you to your Father. And so I want to encourage you again this morning, if you do anything today as a parent, pray for me. Who understands more what it's like to be a parent than God our Father? Who listened to the prayers of His own Son to change His destiny with a cross and decided that He was going to answer them in a greater way than His Son requested? He allowed him to die so that he could raise him up and do something greater than what his son was saying when he said, please remove this cup from me. I just soon not deal with it. What won't God do for you? That's what Paul's trying to say when it seems like what, what's going on in our lives is detached from God working in them. That's why he writes Romans 8, 31 and 32. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare His own Son but gave Him for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Man, I'm glad I don't have to make stuff like that up. There's going to come times when I stumble as a parent, and so will you. There's going to come times when you fail. There will come times when you don't know how to speak or respond. There will come times when you forget your kid at the snow cone stand. But there's never going to come a time when you're alone in this privilege and responsibility of being a parent. Never. 
So I want to close with this because this is the the asterisk of any teaching like this or any text like this. Because there are some of you here in this room who are saying, Jarius got his child back, but I didn't. She never made it out of the womb. Never made it out of adolescence. Yeah, I made it into adulthood, but I got to bury them. You're right. But would you please remember the promise and the picture that he gives us through Jairus is still his promise and a picture that he gives to you. And awaiting you is the greatest homecoming you can ever imagine. He answers every prayer. Not in the time frame, not in the manner that I always would like, but he answers every prayer for our best and our benefit. Just hold on. It's temporary. This moment of parenting, this moment of of marrying, this moment of living, it's just temporary. And soon we're going to step into forever. Watch how he answers that prayer. And he will because your family matters. Matters. Never doubt that. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning and I just say thank you that you've given us this privilege of prayer. And I'm I'm the first one to say, God, sometimes I doubt it. Sometimes I think, why bother? But then you remind me through through the word of Jairus and the story of Jairus, this event that happened that, that just isn't some neat little story to help encourage us or inspire us, but it happened. And we've seen you work. We've seen you move. We've seen you invited into homes and situations. And you've just done the... Who would have thought? No way! You've done that. And so we've come this morning to remind ourselves of it, to celebrate it, and to encourage us to remember and to be responsible with this privilege you've given us, and that is to pray for our kids. Thank you. Thank you. I I don't know why you would allow us to have any part in that, but you've invited us to do it, to cry out, And so we're crying out this morning, God, I want to lift up the children in this room. Now, in some form or fashion, we're all children, but but the ones that parents are raising and grandparents are raising and aunts and uncles maybe are raising, please help us with wisdom. Please help us with perseverance and strength. Please help us with gentleness. (laughs) Please help us with patience. Please help us make our homes and our children people of joy, people of integrity, people of endurance, people of loyalty. We can't do that, God. And so we come, as we have sung once before, asking you to glorify your name through our homes. Glorify your name through this collective church of homes because it really is all about you. Forgive us when we make it about us. Do your best work in us this week, for we ask it in Jesus' name and everyone's said. All right, let's go to the table.